This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. Like many, the weather outside here in the Twin Cities has me down, even has me a bit depressed, but not enough to keep me away from the microphone. Here we are. It's the first podcast of April 2018, at least scoop podcast-wise. Overall, it is episode 137. We begin with a few interviews. We'll begin in just a bit with Steven Richardson, former Gophers defensive tackle, had a productive pro day last week. He did not get an invite to the Combine. We'll ask him about that. We'll ask him about his NFL prospects. Same will be true of Steven's former teammate with the Gophers, linebacker Jonathan Celestine. So we'll talk to Steven. We'll talk to Jonathan. Then we'll talk to Brent Flair, Wild VP, Assistant General Manager, second in charge in the front office. Brent is on the trip with the Wild. They play the Ducks late on Wednesday and the Kings late on Thursday. They wrap up the regular season with a game against the Sharks, and the playoffs begin next week. There's a very good chance they'll open up against Winnipeg. There is still a tiny chance they'll open up against Nashville. So we'll go boom, boom, boom with interviews. Then I will certainly empty out my notebook when it comes to tidbits. Before we get to Richardson, some love for Indochino. You can get one heck of a suit, a premium Indochino suit. I'm telling you, go to Google, type in Indochino, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. You can see all the great reviews. You can get a premium Indochino suit for just $379. You use the promo code... Scoop at checkout. Scoop, S-C-O-O-P at checkout. Indochino.com online where they have a fantastic showroom at Mall of America. My Midnight Blue Indochino suit just arrived in the mail the other day from China. It was not a tough process. I went to the mall. I got measured, picked out what I wanted. They customized the suit for you. There are so many things that go into What entails a suit? I had no idea. You know, I've had suits for a number of years just working on the TV side with Channel 5, but I had no idea when it comes to customizing a suit. I just had no clue everything that goes into making a suit. Indochino takes you through that process, but it's not a tough process. So you can go to the showroom at Mall of America on the first floor or online, Indochino.com online. You just enter in all your measurements, but they have fantastic suits. They have shirts too, but just the quality of their fabric. Everything about Indochino is A+. So I'm telling you guys, if you need a new suit, you've got some sort of special occasion coming up in the next handful of weeks, spring, summer, as we enter into the wedding season, whatever it might be. If you're looking for a new suit, maybe you're not, but maybe think about it. Indochino is the way to go. Indochino.com. All right, let's start with Steven Richardson, four-year letter winner for the Gophers. Heck, he started, what, 12 games as a freshman. Not easy to do at the defensive tackle position. Certainly one of the better defensive tackles in recent memory that has worn a Gophers uniform. All right, Steven Stove, Steve, I appreciate your time. We are talking, I guess, what is it, one week removed from Pro Day. So looking back at last week's Gophers Pro Day, how would you say it went for you? Um, I think it went really, really well. Um, uh, you saw the, hopefully you saw the like the, the bench video. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, that that was really amazing, and uh, I think that was the best part of it. But other than that, I, I believe like the whole experience and everything went really well. Um, especially because I was extremely nervous. Didn't even get to sleep the days before, and I was just tossing and turning, just a little bit worried. But I was also confident in, like, what I can do, and that's what calmed me down. But uh, I think the whole overall day was really – it went really well. What led to that confidence? I mean, I suppose just, what, working your ass off the last handful of months? Um, it, it was a combination of, like, the people I was around, like friends and family. I would call them up or text them. Um, what also helped me was also just thinking about – what I've done all this time from high school to college. So like there's nothing different that I'm that I've already done, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Steven, what was what was the overall bench number again? Um, I did uh thirty one reps. Which is ridiculous. Thirty one reps of two hundred and twenty five pounds. Was that a personal best? Yes, that is a a personal best. Um but while I was training I was definitely hitting around there so uh, to get a little bit of more adrenaline 
to uh, knock out 31, that that was big for me. I mean, yeah, you're right about adrenaline, but it also has to be nerve-wracking with, I mean, there were like, what, 22 teams there. You've got Coach P.J. Fleck right there. Your teammates are right there. I saw the video. I was actually on spring break last week for, for a portion of the week with the family, but with with my TV job with Channel 5, our photographer, I, I saw the video. I mean, there were a lot of people, like, literally right on top of you. So that had to be nerve-wracking to be able to put up 31 reps. I mean, that's super impressive. Yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy uh, just to see all that. And then, like, the cameras, like, it was a lot of just a lot going on. And you're just thinking, like, I got to perform my best. I, it's all just the same thing. It's just people watching now. It's literally the same thing you've been doing all training, all of college, all of high school. It's just people are watching you now besides the person that's spotting you. So that's what I had to put through my head to calm everything down and just put everything in slow motion. Makes complete sense. Do you have a chip on your shoulder, Stephen, the fact that you did not get an invite to the Combine? Always. Uh, it's, it's always a chip on the, on the shoulder. Um, from high school, uh, I didn't get a lot of offers. And then in college, I was still doubted by other teams. And so now the uh, I didn't get the invite to the combine, so that put a, another chip on the shoulder just to compete uh, even more and like show uh, show the scouts that I definitely deserved to be there. So if I couldn't perform there, I was going to perform wherever I got the opportunity. I mean, you also want to tell the scouts just watch the game video, right? I mean. You started how many games as a true freshman? Like, to me, starting games as a true freshman at the defensive tackle position in the Big Ten is incredibly hard. You did that. So, yeah. to me, if if teams, if scouts just put in the tape, watch you as a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, you know, just watch the game video, that says the story. Yeah, I, I agree with you on there, but it's just not the way uh, – things planned out so you always got to have a backup plan and uh adjust to when like adversity hits and i've been just going through that ever since i started playing football so it wasn't like i mean obviously it kind of hurt but it wasn't too big of a hit because i was already already like felt that before so it just added like a bigger chip to the shoulder Sure, absolutely. Now, is is some of that adversity, maybe a large portion of that adversity, the fact that a lot of people say that you're that you're undersized, that you're that you're too small to play defensive tackle? Yep, that's probably the main thing. And then isn't um, the comeback that, you know, whether it's Aaron Donald or any number of of guys that have succeeded that again, just watch the game video. Who cares if you're 6'3" or 6 feet tall if you've got you know, the right technique and everything like that, and you make plays, and you do, what should it matter if you're six feet tall or six feet two? Exactly. It, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter at all. What I, it, the only thing that should matter is the, the feel, the eyes in the sky is uh, what coaches will say. If, if you're not producing, then obviously you don't deserve to be, like, at the combine or something like that. But uh, game film don't lie, and – I believe that I deserve to be there, but again, I wasn't, so I found the next opportunity I could. Let me ask the size question this way. How did your size benefit you? I mean, from a leverage standpoint, were there were there actually benefits to playing defensive tackle being not, you know, 6'3", six, 6'4"? Six, Definitely. Um, I think being a little undersized, around 5'10", I'm 5'10", I'm and I have, I think that's what they measure me at. Um, I think that that really helps with leverage and throughout practice uh, you always hear about coaches saying stay low stay low and then we work on drills of staying low and I'm like these these drills are pretty easy because I mean I don't even have to bend as much compared to the other players that's uh, next to me to like get under the hoops and mm-hmm. things like that and uh, it's just it just helps a lot more because whoever the lowest in a battle with an old lineman, and that's who's going to win. And it definitely helps in uh, double teams as well. It's like you can't move something that's lower than you. It's always the battle of who is the lowest. 
I suppose, Stephen, some of the adversity also is that that you played under three different head coaches. And, you know, a lot of people like to like to pigeonhole Tracy Clays as just a Jerry Kill guy, but I'm positive that Tracy did a lot of things differently than Jerry did. So you played for Jerry, you played for Tracy, you played for P.J. Fleck, you played for different defensive coordinators. It had to be tough. Yeah, it just shows that I can handle the adversity again or, like, not going to adjust to uh, – like critical changes, um, I, I it was it was a big it was a big change all all three years and I mean I I don't think I would have changed it because like I don't think I, I feel that uh, that that you can use those kind of those kind of lessons just outside of football as well like you mm-hmm. can get a new a new uh, boss or something like that and. You're going to have to just adjust to it. You can't just get up and leave every time you get a new boss, you know. So I really feel that the lessons that I've learned here is definitely going to hold me through the rest of my life. How were you specifically used differently going from Jerry to Tracy to PJ and I guess, you know, Rob Smith's defense? But PJ certainly is is the ultimate boss. I mean, how did your role evolve slash change over those over those three years? I think it was more of a demand. I, I I would say that I have respect for all of the coaches that I've been under. Let me start with that. But uh, when I first got in, uh, I had a, a huge demand. I was coming in as a freshman starting, and then when I end up coming or uh, when Tracy took over. Uh, and I started to have um, Coach Savell as the defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. and he t- actually took me off of starting. He wanted me to be more of a leader. So then there was an even bigger demand of me not just playing on the field, but I also had to lead more and push myself more. That's what he wanted to see. So I had to do that. There was a way bigger uh, demand from that. And then coming in with Coach Fleck, he wanted to also see me grow as a more vocal leader this time. So each one had a different demand of me. Yeah, and so I mean, heck, I mean, you know, you commit to Jerry Kill. I mean, you're thinking coming out of coming out of high school in in Illinois, you're thinking I'm going to play for Jerry Kill for the next four years. But never in a million years could you have guessed over a four year period you'd play for three head coaches. Yeah, not at all. I, that was one of the main reasons why I decided for uh, you because uh, they had like a I can't remember the number, but it was a huge combination of years together, and I was like, that's where I want to play. I didn't want to mm-hmm. play for another set of coaches, but it ended up happening. That was that was the yeah that was like the, the biggest like ironic thing that ended up happening because that was the main reason why I just chose Minnesota. Do you have position flexibility or you, or let me ask it this way. I mean, is, is a four, three defense better for you? Can you play in a three, four, you know, being a nose in a four, three or three technique, do you have some of that flexibility? Yeah, I definitely think I do. Um, <clears throat> actually, I know I do. Uh, I play uh, three four all of high school and then I got here and then I had to learn how to uh, pass rush more so we end up going to the four three here mm-hmm. and then when I when we had the coaches changes then we started to do a combination of four three and three four and then uh, with coach Fleck coming in we also did the combination of four three and three four so I, there was even a little package where I was coming off the edge, so I think I definitely either. Steven, do you have a sense of, of how draft weekend will go? I mean, do you have a, a sense if if you can sneak into to the later rounds or if you'll have to sign as, as an undrafted free agent? Um, Hopefully, obviously, like, we want to get into the uh, get drafted. But uh, if anything, I think it would be, if not a later round, I, I definitely believe there'd be like a high priority free agent and the, the i think the my pro day definitely helped my stock up go up mm-hmm. and hopefully i can get some more um invites to 
uh, increase that stock just as much. Have you talked to some teams since Pro Day, or has your agent has your agent kept you in the loop that the teams are showing more interest since last Wednesday? Definitely, um, I talked to the the Steelers a little bit. Uh, they came up to me. Um, nice. San Francisco and um, Seattle. They all uh, came up to me. So I did a really good job at Pro Day, um, and they say they were going to keep in contact. That's fantastic. So, I mean, certainly teams are interested. So, you know, I mean, heck, whether you're the 200th pick in the draft, 180th, or you sign as as an undrafted free agent, you'll have a chance to impress. And you know this, I'm sure. I mean, how many guys? I mean, just look at the the local team, the Vikings, right? Adam Thielen, Marcus Sherrill's former gopher. Any number of examples of guys that that didn't get drafted that are now, you know, fixtures on – on NFL rosters, guys that have been in the league for for many many years. Exactly, that's all. I, that's all I ask for is an opportunity. If I can get the opportunity, I'll take advantage of it, like I have with through high school and through college. Uh, Coach Kill definitely took a chance on me, and I took full advantage of it. And that that will continue on to the next level. All I need is a, a chance, and that's all I'm asking for. What will the next few weeks be like leading into draft weekend? Are you just staying here uh, in the Twin Cities, just training hard? Yeah, I'll continue to train. I'll train some more, um, get football ready. Now, uh, when you train and you're working on, like, 40 starts and uh, doing the shuttle and, like, agility drills, but now it's, like, working on pass blocking – or not pass blocking, but pass rushing, excuse me there. Uh, yeah, pass rushing and, uh, like, run stopping and working with the bags and uh, just being more agile, things like that. I'll leave you after this, Stephen. Do you feel like P.J. Fleck? I mean, you played for him for a year. Do you feel like he's he's got this thing going in the right direction? He can get it back to the level that, heck, you guys were at your, your freshman year. I mean, let's not forget, your freshman year, you played against Missouri in, in the Citrus Bowl. I mean, it had been, what, like 50-something years since a Gophers football yeah. team played on New Year's Day. You were a part yeah. of that. Do you feel like P.J. Fleck can get the Gophers back to a New Year's Day bowl game? I definitely do. Um, I went to the, I went to one of the the practices not too long ago. I think maybe last week, and those guys are looking really good. And the recruits that he has coming in are, I mean, he has a couple here um, that came in early, but and those guys are doing amazing. But I, I know he has like a really big recruiting class coming in, and I, I think he he's moving definitely in the right direction. Who's going to take your spot? The kid from from Alabama, the transfer. Uh, from, the, what it, from what it looks like, it looks like he's uh, there right now. He's been doing pretty good. Uh, OJ Smith. Yeah. yeah, he's been doing he's been doing really well from what I saw. Okay, so you're still on campus, but but do you feel like, geez, I wish I had another year of eligibility? I mean, you look at that that palace that they now have for for their practice facility. <laughs> you have to be thinking, holy cow, I came into school a year too early. Yeah, uh, that thing is amazing. I actually just left it from working out there. So, I mean, I I, I definitely think I, I would love to have that going back, but they they still are pretty much open arms with me right now, and it feels like I, I still even have a locker there, like nice. in the new facility. So it still feels like it's, it's mine. That's tremendous. Steven, I speak for many when I say we are rooting for you. Whatever comes Thank with you. your future, you know, heck, you you represented the Gophers in, in such a classy way the, the last four years. So there's a lot of people rooting for you. We wish you nothing but the best. Thank you. Thank you so much. We go from one great former Gopher to another. He also contributed a bunch as a true freshman. He is former Gophers linebacker Jonathan Celestine. Jonathan, uh, appreciate your time. I was just telling your former teammate Stephen Richardson that that were just, what, a week removed from Pro Day. I wasn't actually physically there, even though media was allowed. I wasn't there last Wednesday. I was, I was on spring break, a portion of last week with, with the family. But, but with my TV job with Channel 5, we had a photographer there. So I saw the video. Just seeing you doing all the drills, the bench, the 40, it looks like you are noticeably bigger. Is that true? I mean, you look bigger than, than what I recall going back to you know November on the football field. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm now weighing uh, on a daily basis 233, anywhere between 233 and 235. 
and uh, I cut a lot of fat and put on a lot more muscle uh, in this off season and changed the way, changed my lifestyle of eating. So I I would say I'm a lot bigger than I was during the season. I mean, how hard was that? I mean, heck, I mean, you guys grind when when you're a collegiate athlete. You're in the weight room constantly, but then to change your diet, you know, how how challenging was that? Uh, it was challenging at first. Something I wasn't used to, you know, staying on a strict diet. Uh, but after a while, I was able to adapt and just embrace it. And now I'm living it each and every day. And I kind of I like it. I like the way I look. Uh, I like the way I feel. I'm a woman feel working out. So. We'll continue at it. What is the uh, what is the daily diet? What does it consist of? A daily diet consists of three full course meals uh, in the morning, eating about five to six eggs, uh, five to six pieces of turkey bacon, and then some whole whole grain toast, whole grain yeah wheat toast, and then in between, right before my lift or after my lift, I have a small snack. I might have some fruit, so keep oranges and apples with me, mixed nuts. And then for lunch, uh, I pretty much load up. I have a, a plate full of salad. Uh, I usually make a sub, make a sub sandwich and load it up with veggies. I use a lot of spinach. Mm. Uh, before I used to use like romaine lettuce, but now I use a lot of fresh spinach, baby spinach. And then uh, in between, I have protein shakes. And then for dinner, uh, I usually double up on meat. So I have like two steaks or two chicken breasts and loaded up with veggies and a whole grain rice. And then I have a protein shake before uh, before bed. So it's not it's not overly demanding or taxing, but but my guess is you had to eliminate some things. Is that where it's where it's challenging? So like you might have this craving yeah. for, for pizza or whatever it might be, sweets, and that's where you have to say, okay, I can. As much as I'd love to have a slice of pizza or whatever it might be, <laughs> I just can't do that right now. Right, that's the that's I think that's the hardest part. I say eliminating sweets and uh, just eliminating things like pizza and like hot dogs, hamburgers. Making sure you eliminate all the the sugars. It's basically a, almost a sugar free diet. Like instead of using jelly, I use jam mm. uh, with no added sugars. So I made sure that I stayed away from the sugar to be able to cut much as much out of my diet as I could. How do you think Pro Day went for you? Well, for me, I think it was a success. You know, I was able to show up and perform well uh, and show scouts uh, a player that they, they can use on their team in the future. You know, uh, I feel like in each drill, I gave everything I had and I left it all out there. So, I mean, do you feel like you opened mind. up some eyes? I mean, maybe some teams that, that weren't taking notice of, of Jonathan Celestine and now have taken notice? Oh, yes, for sure. I feel like I did just by the way my body looked and how much bigger and faster I looked overall. I feel like that caught a lot of people's attention. And uh, especially doing my position work and catching every ball and the way I was dropping fluidly and how good I looked with my hips. I feel like I turned some heads. Were there some teams that talked to you after or in the last week have have either reached out to you or your agent? Uh, Not, well, Right before the uh, for the draft, before the combine, uh, well, pro day, uh, I talked to L.A. and the L.A. Los Angeles Rams, and then uh, Detroit also gave me a ring uh, after pro day, and they said they'll be following up soon. So right I mean, now I'm just waiting because they're finishing up their road trips from uh, pro days. Yeah, there's still some going on this week. Tomorrow, so yeah, I'm I mean. Back home. All you're looking for, Jonathan, is is a chance, right? That that whether you yeah. get drafted or not, as long as that phone rings at some point on, you know, whether it's you know Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, but but draft weekend, as long as that phone rings, somebody's willing to bring you in. There's any number of examples of guys. I mean, I was just telling Stephen that just look at you know the the local NFL team, right? I mean, I do a lot of work with the Vikings. Whether it's Adam Thielen, you know, Marcus Sherrill's, you know, Marcus, former Gopher. Yeah. I mean, any it's number of guys good. that. That hey, all they needed was a chance. They go to a rookie mini camp, they open up some eyes, then you go to the to the regular mini camp. Next thing you know, it's it's training camp time. You play in the preseason. You open up eyes that way. Yeah, yes, sir. That's all I'm really looking for. I mean, whether I go drafted late round or if I go uh, a free agent, you know, I just looking for somebody to give me a shot. And once I get a shot, I know the rest will take care of itself. Uh, I'm going to work hard and 
make sure I turn heads and establish myself. What is your best position? Is is it the Mike linebacker position? Can you play all three linebacker positions? Uh, yes, I can play all three. I can play Mike, Will, or Sam, but um, predominantly a Will linebacker. Will, okay. Uh, yeah, so I played Will most of my career here at the University of Minnesota, but at times in packages I have moved to Mike. So I'm very fluid at Mike and Will, but at any time I can play Sam in the open field. I mean, so with that position flexibility, play on, on special teams, I mean, I would think those are those are great selling points to teams. Oh, yes, sir. Uh, me being able to cover space, uh, run downfield, I can easily do kickoff, punt. Uh, I can hold up blocks on punt return and kickoff return. So I feel like I'll be a valuable asset to a team. I can play on all four special teams and play defense. And any position linebacker. What will the next few weeks look like leading into into draft weekend? Are you are you still here in the Twin Cities? Are you back down south? Does your training now change because pro day is done? Uh, no, training actually. Uh, I'm continuing to get after it. I'm currently still in Minneapolis in the Twin Cities. Uh, right now, I'm lifting. I'm lifting at the uh, University of Minnesota. Using the new weight room and yeah. facilities, uh, nice. which is wonderful. Yeah. And then uh, for position work, uh, I'll be working with. Sometimes I'll be working with Tyrone Carter. Mm-hmm. Um, He's great. Which is great. Uh, I've always worked with him over my couple of years, just being able to work on my hips and all being synchronized because of how great of a player he was. So. How hard? My plan for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, heck, you may as well just keep grinding. I know Tyrone's gonna <laughs> gonna make sure that that you're grinding. How how hard was it, Jonathan, to to contribute as a true freshman? I mean, you came on campus, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. You played as a true freshman. How how hard was that? Uh, at first, it it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. You know, I came in just with a mindset that let me come in, let me turn some heads during camp. Uh, camp is going to be my time to shine. Even if I don't know the plays, let me attack it 100% and just give it all I've got and just make plays. And over, after a while, I started to listen to my older brothers, Damian Wilson, Jack Land, Devondre Campbell, and they kind of just took me under the wing and led me through how to actually understand the playbook and understand more plays. And by the end of my freshman year, I felt very comfortable being able to back any one of them up. Have you leaned on on those guys for for advice during this during this process? If I'm not mistaken, I saw Campbell at at Pro Day. Yes, actually, yeah. Me and Devondre talked almost uh, every other week during my uh, training sessions. Uh, me and Devondre have grown a very close relationship uh, while he was here, and even when he left, because he is currently playing for the Atlanta Falcons, and I'm from Georgia, mm-hmm. uh, south of Atlanta. So we have connected a couple of times and. I'm always thankful for him, just asking him advice to better my game and how to attack this process. And the biggest advice he gave me gave to me was just be myself and be patient. You just gotta wait and see what happens. And once you get a shot, run with. It. I'm also positive, Jonathan, that that you would be thankful if if your dad was still here. How how often do you think about your dad? Uh, every day. <laughs> uh, I I will be very thankful if he was here. Uh, I'm coming up on a year yeah, uh, in like two weeks. So uh, it's been tough. And just wishing he was here through this process because this is something we always talked about. But uh, I know he's here with me seriously. And, I mean, I just try to keep grinding as hard as I can for him. What will that day be like, Jonathan? I mean, you're right. I mean, the the one-year remembrance is, is what, later this month, right? Yep, April 18th. Yeah, I mean, have you thought about what what April eighteenth will be like? Uh, I have. It is April now, so uh, I know it's going to be tough, but I'll find a way. I'll probably hang around teammates uh, since I'm here up here in the Twin Cities and just uh, celebrate joy because I know he will want me to continue to strive for excellence. I probably work out. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, heck, I mean, you can channel that emotion, hopefully, and, and turn it into, you know, some Most sort of positive, just knowing that he's got the best seat in the house and 
and how proud he would be of, of all the hard work that you're putting in. Absolutely. Uh, I always channel it to motivation if I'm ever feeling very down about the whole situation, which I, I am. I just say, let me let me go work harder for him. Let me let me do this extra. Let me do this extra rep. Let me do this. Let me do that. So I usually just take it to the field and just do as many drills as I can until I can't no more. Jonathan, we wish you nothing but the best. We are rooting for you. You represented the Gophers much like Steven. You represented the Gophers in such a classy way the last four years. So I know I speak for many when I say we we hope that you continue to kick some serious ass. Thank you so much. Former Gophers linebacker Jonathan Celestine. All right, we're going interview, interview, interview. Then I'll go notes at the end. So we now transition to the wild. Three regular season games left. They clinched a playoff spot for the sixth consecutive year. No team in the Western Conference can say that except for the Wild. So let's catch up with Wild VP. He's second in command in the front office. He is Brent Flair. He is currently with the Wild in California. The Wild will open up the playoffs next week. In all likelihood, it'll be Winnipeg in round one, but there's still a tiny chance it could be Nashville. Let's catch up with Brent. You're on the road trip right now. Is it is it a somewhat loosey-goosey vibe because you guys have have clinched a, a playoff spot or is it all just you know full steam ahead knowing that you want to be playing your best hockey even in these last three games heading into next weekend the postseason yeah no i think obviously the clinching the other night certainly takes the stress level down a little bit but at the same time we're, we're playing our, our best hockey and, and going into the playoffs and uh have the freedom to probably give some some different looks and work on a few things but at the same time, uh, I don't see us changing our game much, and we just have to tighten up in certain areas. One of the different looks, presumably, will be that, that you'll rest some guys. I mean, I'd be shocked, I guess, if, if Dubnik plays both Wednesday night and Thursday night. I have to imagine Eric Stahl is going to get a game off. I mean, is, is that the balancing act? You want to get some guys some rest, even though you do want to be playing good hockey heading into next week? Yeah, that's up to the coaches. I know Dubnik's in tonight, stay locked in tomorrow, and you may see them even split. Uh, you know, you don't want a whole week off for for Dubnik, but uh, we'll see how they feel. And and obviously, uh, Stall and Koivu, uh that's up to the coaches. But um, you know, I think they want to play. And you know, we don't have a ton of extra bodies here where we can just interchange. So we only have one extra forward, and uh, we'll see how that goes. And did I did I hear correctly that that Jared Spurgeon won't be joining you on this trip? Uh, no, he there was potential he could play Saturday if we needed him. Um, and you know he's he's skating back home and, and making very good progress. But uh, because of the three games in four days, we just we don't have any practice time. So he's better off uh, rehabbing and skating in, in Minnesota. So you guys won't practice on Friday. Uh, very unlikely with back-to-back games here. So sure, no, that, that that makes sense. But but Jared will be good to go. Whether you guys open up next, I suppose it'll be what next Wednesday or Thursday, or could you open up as soon as next Tuesday? Uh, I think Wednesday would be the the first uh, possible date, but we don't know yet. Obviously, we don't even know who we're playing, so for sure. Yeah, but uh, assuming it's it's Wednesday or Thursday, one of the two, uh, it seems like that, that Jared will be good to go come come middle of next week. Uh, we certainly hope so. So it, you know, it's trending in the right direction, and uh, he says he feels good. So, uh, but you know, it's one thing to to skate on your own, and there's one thing to get into the game situations. And but hopefully, uh, hopefully, he'll be ready to go. I mean, you touched on that briefly. I mean, you guys don't even technically know who you'll be playing next week. I mean, I guess, you know, there's a good chance it'll be Winnipeg, but there's still a scenario where you guys open up against Nashville. How how goofy is that? You know, I mean, heck, it, it happens. But but just being a few days out and you actually don't know for sure who you'll open up against. Yeah, no, it's, it's the way it works. And there's lots of teams and lots of battles still to be had. It's going to be a really interesting week, uh, you know, aside from us, just to watch some of these races down the stretch here and, uh, it's going to be exciting for, for fans, I would think. Yeah, I mean, heck, just look at the three teams you're playing out there, right? I mean, this is a huge game tonight for Anaheim, right? Tomorrow's a huge game for, for Los Angeles. Come Saturday, that's a huge game for San Jose. Yeah, with San Jose losing last night, it's, um, they're right there. So it's, it's a grind, and you got St. Louis, Colorado in the battle. And, uh, yeah, it makes for some some stressful times. We've been in those big games uh, when you need to win, and um, – you know, certainly nice to, to have a little bit of breathing room, but at the same time, uh, you know, it makes for good hockey. How do you how do you handle the the advanced scouting? I mean, do you have scouts watching and 
and you've had scouts watching for for weeks the the Jets, the Predators, and pretty much everybody. Yeah, yeah, we, you know, and even down the last couple of games here, we'll have scouts at each uh, each of our potential opponents. But you know, a lot of our coaches, a lot of our coaches scouting uh, will be done by video, and uh, but we'll have our pro scouts following advanced scouting, and um, and then we'll put it together, and the coaches will put their package together, and we'll have, uh, we'll be ready to go. If it does end good up being good thing with the playing teams in our division, we're we're very familiar with them. And yeah, it's a good point. A lot yeah. has changed. Yeah, I mean you're right. Although, heck, when's the last time you guys played Winnipeg? It doesn't doesn't seem like it's it's been recent. Yeah, it's been a little while, but yeah. yeah. But again, we we're used to playing them pretty frequently, and we're pretty familiar with their their players and the way they're coached, and and uh, shouldn't take too long. If it is Winnipeg, how how challenging would that matchup be for you guys? Uh, you know they're they're a good team. They have uh, they have some depth up front. Uh, they have good speed. They have skill. They have uh, real dangerous power play. But I think you know we we're a good defensive team when we're playing smart. And you know obviously we have to stay out of the box. But you know when we're uh, when our top three lines are going, we're we're as good as anybody. So uh, we'll have to shore up some things defensively. Obviously with Suter out, but uh, you know looking at the way Susie came in and the way Suter's played, and if we get Spurgey back with. We should be more than competent back there, and and uh, you know it'll be uh, a good opportunity for some of these young guys to play in important games. On Suter, Brian. I mean, as you're watching last Saturday, I guess it would have been. I mean, are you just thinking, are you kidding me? Like, what has it been this year where you guys have had a 100 percent healthy lineup? I mean, we're just talking yeah. a select few games. I mean, maybe seven, eight, nine games total. I mean, you, yeah, you guys just haven't had been... a full lineup, and then all of a sudden. The iron horse, right? Like Ryan never gets hurt, and he goes down. Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a grind all year. It's been a frustrating year, uh, injury front right from the start. And, you know, Granlin and Nino and Coyle go down right away, and Felino and Coyle, or actually Nino went down a couple times. And it's hard, but our, you know our guys have persevered and really battled, you know, through those situations and, and found ways to win and uh, got in. But yeah, to to lose Ryan, it's it's definitely a a tough blow. This this is. You know, not only is he a great player, but he's a big leader in the room, and uh, you know, he's an, certainly an important guy. I mean, it's actually pretty nuts to think. I mean, just going back to the start of the season, you know, how much your your defenseman core has changed, right? I mean, you think about Sealer, Susie, Prosser. I mean, yep. those guys weren't here, you know, at the beginning of the season. Yeah, no, it's uh, you know, that's why you have to have depth, and you know, it's been tough on Iowa or farm team just because of the. Ball call ups and, and all at the same time, unfortunately. But uh, but no, these guys have worked hard and worked on their games, and we have opportunity for them now. So it's, it's good for them. And uh, obviously, we never want to lose a player like Ryan Suter, but um, you know these guys are up to the challenge. Hopefully, when will Suter undergo surgery? Do you have to do you have to wait for some some swelling to go down, think, or is he going right away for surgery? I, I tomorrow. Uh, I don't know the final details, but um, I think he's getting looked at today again and. Um, as early as tomorrow. So. And is it a little bit more detailed than, than just the right ankle? Yeah, I, I'm not a doctor. I, like I said, like I told you yesterday, I, once I heard that he's out for a while, I, I was spared the details. So I'm not sure exactly where it is, but it's, it's obviously uh, not good news. And it was more severe than than we initially thought when it was a fibula, not to that injury, but that's three to four weeks. And unfortunately, this is season ending. So it's tough pill to swallow. You'll certainly need Devin Dubnik to play at a, at a very high level to have postseason success. Do you like the way that, that Devin is playing right now, heading into the playoffs? Yeah, no, I think it's, uh you know you look at the Edmonton game. I thought he was really good. Uh, really square, seeing the puck and making saves look easy, and you know that's when he's at his best. So I think any team that's going to go anywhere in the playoffs has to have quality goaltending, and you know we know Dubs is is healthy right now, not good wood, and and. Uh, you know, I think our team is, you know, playing its best hockey here down the a real tough stretch that we've uh, we've managed to win games and, and get in, and and uh, you know, Dubes will be a big part of it. Another guy that's playing well here down the stretch is is Zach Parisi. Do you feel like we're seeing the Zach Parisi of old? I do, I do. It's uh, you know, obviously this year it's you know, we didn't even mention his injury earlier, but uh, to come off the surgery that he had, and you know, people think you can just come in and play at the top of your game, but it takes a while. Uh, not only conditioning but timing and uh but no I think you know Zach's since 
beginning of March. I think he's one of the top goal scorers in the league, and you know his compete's always there. But you just feel he's he's confident now. He feels good about his game, and uh, he's having success. And I think that line with Koivu and Granlund uh, is a quality, very good line, and and not only defensively, but it's generating offense too. So uh, it's exciting. Who else do you like? You know their games right now, heading into next week. Uh, I think you know Jonas Brodin is uh, mm-hmm. for us is been exceptional here and he's a guy that kind of flies under the radar when you have Suter and um, but when you see him up against McDavid and what he can do defensively his mobility is his hockey sense and his ability to take time and space away uh, you know just shows what kind of player he is and he'll be a big part of our our success too um, the way he plays so um, but you know with Stahl and you know once we, we get that line going consistently with, with Zucker Niederreiter and and give you Charlie Coyle on a third line with potentially Greenway or wherever coaches want there. But, you know, we have some lines. And, and to be honest with you, our fourth line has been very good mm-hmm. uh, the last stretch with, uh, you know, with Erickson Eck up the middle and, and Winnick and Polino. It's uh, three big bodies, three strong guys that, you know, can maintain possession of the puck in the offensive zone and, and play a big, heavy game and be hard to deal with. So, uh, you know, like I said, when we're playing at the top of our game, we feel we have good depth and, and uh, hopefully it's a recipe for success. Do you like what you've seen so far from Greenway? And I'm just thinking back to, to last April, the, the playoff series against St. Louis. I mean, it seems like you know Greenway can bring an element that maybe you guys didn't have last playoffs, that big body in front. Yeah, he's he's a big man. Uh, I think he's, he's obviously a big jump from college hockey to the NHL, but I think he, getting these games in right now is invaluable and uh, with his size and his ability to play a a heavy game down low, uh, it's really something we can use, especially in playoff hockey. And, uh, he loves going to the front of the net. He's good. He's got a good stick, and um, you know, hopefully, his, his confidence grows and uh, his game will really, really, really grow here down the stretch. Brent, always appreciate the time. Enjoy the California sun, and we'll certainly see you at the X for for games three and four. And you know, hopefully, games one and two go well heading into game three at the X. Sounds good. Wild VP Brent Flair. We taped him around 2 o'clock on Wednesday afternoon. So good information there on Ryan Suter having surgery on Thursday. And again, it's a very complicated injury. The Wild released a statement or at least some information the other night saying right ankle. There's more going on than the right ankle. It's a multi-month injury going back and forth with some people close to Ryan also, some people with the Wild, initially with a CT scan, they weren't quite sure surgery was needed. Then he underwent the MRI. The MRI showed some further stuff, some additional stuff, and he needs the surgery. And, yeah, he's looking at a multi-month recovery that should take him right up until training camp, maybe even linger into next season. On Spurgeon, I would say that it's cautious optimism that he can go in game one. But when talking about a hamstring, I mean, that's a pesky injury, so we'll have to wait and see if Spurgeon can go next week. I would think he'll be back at some point for that playoff series, likely against Winnipeg, but it'll be interesting to see if he is out there indeed for Game 1. We'll now transition into notes. I don't have the fancy swoosh. I'll start with Vikings notes. I can tell you Vikings notes are brought to you by Skull Marketing. Yes, very appropriate, sponsoring Vikings Notes Skull Marketing. They're a business-to-business marketing agency. They specialize in working with local small businesses. So if you're a small business owner, heck, any business owner, but in particular, a small business owner, Skull Marketing can help you. Call now to schedule your free 30-minute consultation, 612-787-SKULL, 612-787-SKULL. The website is skullmarketing.com. Skull Marketing is a locally owned company. Started by two former Google employees. So if you work for Google, you know what the heck you're doing. They are here to help the little guys compete. They want to make Google work for you. They used to work for Google. They know how to make Google work for you. Your small business, somebody Googles, and you want your business to pop up before other businesses, other options. They know how to make that work for you. It's Skull Marketing. Let's make Google work for you. 612-787-SKULL for that free 30-minute consultation or online, skullmarketing.com. The two most popular questions I've been asked recently, whether through Twitter, via email, wherever, are the Vikings interested in former Raiders punter Marquette King? 
did they have interest in former Raiders tie end Clive Walford? On the latter, no. They did not put a waiver claim in. The Jets did. The Jets got Clive. People were wondering because of the Todd Downing connection. Todd now working for the Vikings, the former Raiders offensive coordinator, so knows Clive really well. So there was some curiosity there, but no. The Vikings have been doing their due diligence on a number of draft-eligible tight ends. I think they end up drafting a tight end, but in this case, no interest in Walford. On King, I'm told the Vikings have made a cursory call. They reached out just to check in, nothing urgent, no sense of, okay, we're ready to go all in on King. We're ready to give up on Ryan Quigley. But they did make a phone call to inquire, but I'm told that King has two other very interesting opportunities. So signs point to King signing elsewhere. I am told the Vikings shared with King's camp that they still believe in Quigley. The Vikings like Ryan Quigley. So at this point, unless something changes, I see Ryan Quigley as the Vikings punter here in 2018. The Vikings are hosting over 30 draft prospects this week, guys, in Tuesday, some in Wednesday, a couple guys even in on Thursday over the last number of weeks, going back a number of Scoop podcasts, I have laid out a bunch of the names. A few of the names have recently leaked. Ian Rappaport of NFL.com deserves some credit for these. I certainly have advanced some of these names as well. So I'll go through the list of partial names I have. I'll start with Jake Wenicky of Maple Grove High School, South Dakota State, wide receiver. He had a productive visit. I am told the Vikings do not currently have him with a draftable grade. I know the Saints have some interest, although the Saints may not have him as draftable either. The 49ers also have some interest in Jake. The Vikings would be all over Jake if he doesn't get drafted, offering him an undrafted free agent contract. But the hope is that Jake did enough, and if you watch the video, he was one heck of a player at South Dakota State. I'll admit my bias because I've gotten to know him just a little bit, had him on this podcast a couple weeks ago, but it's hard for me to believe that Jake Wenicky doesn't get drafted. But as of now, the Vikings do not have him with a draftable grade. But regardless, Jake Wenicky of Maple Grove High School was among visitors a couple days ago. Dante Pettis of Washington, he's a wide receiver. Jeff Badet, he's a wide receiver from Oklahoma. Another local guy, Jack Sitchi from Wisconsin, linebacker, played his high school football at Hill Murray. Defensive tackle, Nathan Shepard. Offensive lineman, Alex Kappa, both those guys, Division II prospects. Running back, Naheem Hines of North Carolina State. He's got a little Jarek McKinnon in his game, I am told. He can return kicks, could even return punts. He's got scat back to him. So if you're looking for a Jarek McKinnon replacement, remember that name, Naheem Hines. Quinton Polig of Ohio University, he's a linebacker, a really good tight end. Dallas Goddard of South Dakota State was able to advance his name a couple days ago on Twitter. Dallas Goddard among draft visitors. Cornerback Holton Hill of Texas. You have wide receiver Anthony Miller of Memphis, linebacker Lorenzo Carter of Georgia. He's considered a first or second round prospect. Offensive lineman from Notre Dame, he's a tackle. Mike McGlinchey, he's also a first or second round prospect, as is offensive lineman Connor Williams of Texas. So all these guys have been in town this week. Running back Jalen Samuels of North Carolina State, defensive end from USC, Ochuu Nuwusu. I hope I'm saying that right, Ochenu. Nwusu, N-W-O-S-U. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Offensive lineman Matt Gano from Division Three Wesley. You've got defensive end Kameko Ture of Rutgers. Frank Ragnow, Chanhassen High School. I'm biased. I think Frank is fabulous. I saw Pro Football Focus the other day called him the biggest sleeper prospect in the draft. They just love him. So if you value Pro Football Focus's opinion, they think the world of Frank Ragnow, Chanhassen High School, University of Arkansas, three-year starter, did not allow a sack. He can play center. He can play guard. Frank Ragnow was an Egan at the Vikings practice facility, as was defensive tackle P.J. Hall, Sam Houston State, cornerback Mike Hughes of Central Florida. He's considered a first-round prospect. Jordan Lassley, wide receiver from UCLA, Josh Rosen's number one target. He's considered a middle-round prospect. Safety Justin Reed from Stanford. He's considered maybe a late first or second-round prospect. 
cornerback Devontae Harris from Illinois State. So those are the names that I have. I'm also told no quarterbacks visited Egan this week. So there's still like six, seven names that are mystery names that we haven't solved. We haven't cracked the code of about seven names. I'm told when we do crack the code, we will not unearth any quarterbacks. The Vikings did not have any draft-eligible quarterbacks visit this particular year. The Wolves list Jimmy Butler as doubtful for Thursday night's game in Denver. Jeff Teague and Derek Rose are questionable. Jimmy Butler did go through five-on-five drills Monday and Tuesday at practice. I texted on Wednesday late afternoon, early evening, as I'm recording this podcast with a Wolves official, and this person said, we'll know a little bit more in the morning. If Jimmy doesn't play against Denver, I have to imagine he either plays Friday at Los Angeles against the Lakers or Monday against Memphis. I do believe he will be back one of these three games. I did tell somebody on Twitter about five days ago I thought Jimmy would play against Denver just based on what I knew was coming Monday and Tuesday. But who knows? Maybe Wednesday when he hopped on the airplane. Maybe there was some swelling, whatever. He still needs that final clearance from team medical personnel. But He's able to do everything in practice, so Jimmy Butler is incredibly close to returning. I'll touch on the elephant in the room because I've been asked so often about Tom Thibodeau's future. He signed a five-year, just about $40 million contract. If you blew up Tibbs, you would also blow up Scott Layden, who makes a couple million, if not $3 million a year. That is a lot of money to eat. I don't know any owner that would eat $25 to $30 million just to make a change. And oh, by the way, I still think the Wolves make the playoffs. Go to basketball reference or 538.com or any website, the percent chance is like 91 to 94%. I buy into those percent chances. So the Wolves are likely to make the playoffs. They haven't been to the playoffs in 14 years. You're not firing the coach that just led you to the playoffs for the first time in forever. So, Uncle Mercy, please, no more, hey, will the Wolves fire Tom Thibodeau questions. On the Twins, I haven't seen this written anywhere. They have a new behind-the-scenes replay boss. His name is Corey Baker. So in years past, Sean Harlan, who still works for the Twins in video, was the guy. So when the Twins challenge a call, you see them pick up the phone. Corey Baker is the guy on the other line of that phone. So Corey is the one looking at the replay, snap of the fingers, then telling Molitor or whoever, the bench coach, on the phone saying, hey, yes, challenge that, or no, don't challenge that. So again, know the name Corey Baker. Because you see it just about every game. They pause for 60 to 90 seconds. You see the umpires put on the headsets and all that. Corey Baker is the new Twins replay guy behind the scenes. The Twins were not in on Trace Thompson, who ended up with the Yankees. I'm trying to think what else I have Twins-wise. Felix Jorge got hit in the knee area with a line drive in Fort Myers. So he will start the year on the DL. He'll be with Chattanooga, Felix Jorge, who made a start for the Twins last year. Still a highly thought of pitching prospect for the Twins. He will start the season on the DL. Told he's still just a bit sore, a bit stiff still. So the Twins have no reason to rush him, especially with the cold weather. So Felix Jorge starting the season on Chattanooga's disabled list. What else do I have? I have some Gophers notes. Where should I begin on Gophers? Should I begin with Gophers basketball? Trying to figure out where my notes are here. I have my notes scribbled all over the place, which is typical. Daniel Oturu and Trey Jones. This is certainly not a scoop. The Nike Hoop Summit folks, some others associated with Nike Hoop Summit, tweeted this out a few days ago. But Daniel Oturu of Creighton Durham Hall, part of the Gophers 2018 recruiting class. Then Trey Jones, Apple Valley, Mr. Basketball, Duke commit, Duke recruit. Duke's starting point guard next year because Duvall is going pro signing with an agent. Anyway, Daniel Oturu and Trey Jones will play in the Nike Hoop Summit game in Portland middle of this month. What's noteworthy about that is the Wolves will have a number of scouts there. Every NBA team has scouts there. It's a good opportunity for scouts to look at 2019 draft-eligible players. Jones will be on Team USA. Oturu, with his ties to Nigeria, will be on the world team. Kamani Young off to UConn. He let a few people know everybody had it at the same time the other day. It was Jeff Goodman. It was Evan Daniels of 24-7. It was like five different reporters had it at the same time. There was buzz in San Antonio at the Final Four that this would happen. You've got David Benedict as the AD at UConn, used to be in the Gophers 
Athletic Administration under Norwood Teague. Beth Getz is also at UConn, former Gophers interim athletic director. But I'm told both Beth and David had nothing to do with Kamani ending up at UConn. They both like Kamani, but he's got a history with Danny Hurley, the new coach at UConn. You think about job security. Kamani is from the East Coast, so it made all sorts of sense. I'm sure without looking at the contract yet, he's also getting a bump in pay. So with Richard Patino on the hot seat next year, future up in the air, you have a chance to get closer to the New York City area. You've got job stability. You've got a chance to earn a little bit more money. UConn is a more prestigious program. Nobody is denying that. So, hey, it makes all the sense in the world that Kamani Young is jumping to UConn. Now, as far as who might replace Kamani, Dave Thorson has interest. Now, Dave is expected to join Nico Medved at Colorado State, the former De La Salle head coach. If he doesn't get the job here, Dave Thorson and Richard Patino have a good relationship. They caught up at the Boys State High School tournament a couple weeks ago. Dave Thorson has interest in the job. So, Would that make some sense? Dave Thorson, circle of life. Dave Thorson, former Gophers assistant under Clem Haskins, coming back to the U. Or what about Dan McHale, former Gophers assistant, got fired at Eastern Kentucky. He is looking for a job. He has interest in the job. Or does it make sense to bring somebody in that's got ties to the New York City area? That was Kamani Young's strength. Would it make some sense to bring in a big-time recruiter? that can recruit maybe not only New York, but Philadelphia, you know, the East Coast in particular. So we'll keep an eye on that. But there is definite interest in that job. Continuing with notes, Nate Mason signed with Agent Seth Cohen. He's got the point guard, Rozier, from the Celtics. A couple other pretty good clients. So Mason signs with him. Nate Mason will be at the Portsmouth Draft Invitational later this month. So he'll have a chance to work out in front of every NBA team. Every NBA team will be represented in Portsmouth. So good news for Nate Mason. Nuni Omot, I'm bouncing all over the place, former Matamidi High School star from Baylor University. He led the Big 12 in conference games in three-point shooting percentage, 6'10". He can really fill it up. He signed with Edge Sports out of Chicago. Reed Travis. This would be interesting if Dave Thorson got the Gophers job. Would Reed Travis have interest in finishing his collegiate career with the Gophers? Hmm. Otherwise, no, I just don't see Reed Travis having interest. If Thorson wasn't here, I think he would either finish up at Stanford or go pro. But I also think he's weighing some options, graduate transfer options. Reed Travis has another year of eligibility, but he is eligible to transfer as a graduate transfer. Reed Travis, former McDonald's All-American, certainly has a future in pro basketball whenever he wants it. Jordan Murphy still hasn't thought about going pro but not hiring an agent. You have to pay your own way to to work out for teams, so it's it's not cheap. So Jordan Murphy certainly is capable of going to work out for some NBA teams. It would help him, in my opinion, to get feedback from NBA teams. But if you don't have the means to make those trips, then it makes sense to not declare. So all sorts of guys declare, but they don't hire an agent. They go work out for some teams, and they end up back in school. But at this point, Jordan Murphy has not thought about doing that. Amir Coffey doing well after the right shoulder surgery, but he will not be able to shoot until June. I actually think Coffey would have had some interest if he was fully healthy throughout the course of the year in doing just that. Not hiring an agent, but going to work out for NBA teams for feedback purposes. You think about his dad, Richard Coffey. Richard's got all sorts of NBA contact, so he could have lined up workouts for Amir, but it's a moot point with Amir not even being able to shoot until June. But Amir Coffey will be good to go for next season. As of Wednesday afternoon, no communication. Well, there's been a text, but no dialogue between new Gophers men's hockey coach Bob Motzko and assistant coach Mike Gensel, who remains under contract. I know Mike was going to Pittsburgh last weekend to watch his son Jake play for the Penguins. Then he was going to take in the Twins-Pirates game on Monday. Former Gophers men's hockey coach Don Lucia was spied at the X on Wednesday, taking in Notre Dame's practice. That's his alma mater. Let's not forget that's a Don Lucia cheering on Notre Dame this week. On Gophers football, P.J. Fleck on Friday is speaking at the Minnesota Coaches Clinic. Also on Gophers football, I saw PJ the other day compliment true freshman from IMG Academy. He's actually from Southern Minnesota, Zach Anikstead. Remember that name. Remember, Pittsburgh offered him a scholarship. Others wanted him. They were willing to give him a scholarship. He said no to those schools, 
He is a preferred walk-on for the Gophers. Now, I think one day Zach Anikstead will earn a scholarship. And I'm not quite sure he'll play as a true freshman. Ideally, he would redshirt, but he is off to a good start in spring practice at the quarterback position. I continue to hear good things, too, by the way, about Tanner Morgan. And Vic Viramontis's athleticism has been on display. He'll need some more time to grasp the offense. But I'm telling you, you'll need a couple quarterbacks in Kirk Shiraka's system, P.J. Flex system as well, when the quarterback takes enough hits. So come October, come November, it's hard for one quarterback to stay healthy. Seth Green, as everybody noted, the other day moved to tight end. Remember, P.J. Fleck in his introductory spring practice news conference hinted at that. He brought that up. I mean, Seth is such a phenomenal athlete. I remember him at Eastridge being a great basketball player. So you think about wanting to utilize that athleticism. If he's behind Anikstead, Viramontes, and Morgan at the quarterback position, why not find a way to use that athleticism on the field? So Seth Green now getting reps at tied end. I continue to hear the Gophers like their chances with the Council Bluffs Iowa quarterback, class of 2019, Max Duggan. But I suppose if you talk to TCU people or Nebraska people or even Notre Dame people, they might tell you the same thing. But the Gophers, I know, feel good about their chances. All right, nothing else too pressing. We got into a bunch. You got the teams that Steve Richardson has interest from, Jonathan Celestine, you got Brent Flair updating you on a bunch of wild fronts. You got some Vikings tidbits. So hopefully in 60 minutes, you got a lot from this Scoop podcast episode 137. Record on the 4th of April, 2018, a Wednesday. Be sure to support Indochino. If you need a suit, Indochino.com and Skull Marketing for your business needs. They will make Google work for you. Skullmarketing.com for more information. We are done.